You're listening to episode 37 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a holistic nutritionist and women's lifestyle coach living in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And here on the Room to Grow podcast, I bring you thoughts or guests in areas of nutrition, mindset, lifestyle, and entrepreneurship that will help you gain confidence so you can stress less and elevate yourself to create the life you love. We are not here to do things perfectly, but we are here to learn from each other and to grow with lots of self-love and compassion along the way. Let's get started. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. And I have my friend, Melissa McFarlane Heidmiller joining me today. And Melissa is a multipreneur. Uh, She runs her own private career coaching business. And she's recently launched a brand new company called Define and Design Co., which is a career and brand management company with her partner to provide support to more women who just need that extra little boost. And I mean, honestly, I I love talking to Melissa because we cover everything from LinkedIn, which has all kinds of surprising benefits that you don't even know about, whether you're an entrepreneur or a career, uh, looking for a new career, whatever that is, LinkedIn can be a really, really helpful resource. I've learned so much from Melissa about that. Um, She talks to us about the importance of having a brand. Again, whether you're an entrepreneur or as an individual, someone who is just, you know, searching the job market, potentially, it's really important to have a brand. And she goes over all of that with us. We talk about work-life balance and the entire concept around if that's even possible, which some days I think we all question whether it might be or not, and so much more. So Melissa is a fantastic coach, a career development professional, and she has helped hundreds of men and women over the past 10 years to really break through barriers and help them move forward into more meaningful careers. So she also, again, has worked with uh, lots of entrepreneurs too and helping people transition into that space and helping with branding. So whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're, you love your job and you want to stay there, or you're maybe in a job that you would like to switch up, this is really going to offer you a lot to work with and to help get your, your life and career life into full alignment and figure out what the best solution is for you. And just a reminder, all show notes and where to find Melissa are all over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. So make sure to jump over there and you can find all the places to connect with Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Emily. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so pumped to share you. And it's extra exciting because you and I have gotten to hang out, uh, well, a few times in real life. But it's also exciting because you are one of my few entrepreneur friends who's actually local to me. (laughs) Not not like super local, but like 45 minutes away, which is more than I can say for most of my entrepreneur friends. (laughs) Yes. I was actually just thinking this weekend about about the community that I've built up with people in the entrepreneurial space. And most of them just live so far away. So it's, I love it that you're nearby. Me too. I know it, we're able to actually just have real life hangouts sometimes. And it's really, really fun. We're very due for one, by the way. <laughs> Those posts with the IRL hashtag. Yes, that's right. Oh my God. I didn't know what that stood for, for the longest time. <laughs> so funny. So Melissa, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and kind of your, your journey to get here. Tell us, tell us all the great stuff about you. Okay. So, um, as you mentioned, my name is Melissa. (laughs) 
and I work in the career development space. Uh, for about the past 10 years, um, I have been working with individuals and with organizations as well um, to really help, help the individual figure out what do they want out of their career and how do they get there. Um, and then on the organizational side, uh, working with organizations to help them understand what they want and need in terms of um, in terms of staffing and figuring out how do we get the kind of people that are going to fit with us. So it's kind of like it was both sides of the coin there for a little while, which was really cool. But uh, what I'm doing more recently is um, I'm running my own practice, Melissa Mack Career Coaching. And I really, I really look to work with people who have arrived at a moment in their life when, when they think, okay, you know what, something in my career just is not lining up with my life. I know that I can do something more. I know that I want to do something more. I just don't know what it is. And I don't know, I don't know how to figure it out. And I don't know how to get there. So then I work with them to uh, generally, we look at look at life overall and figure out what's happening and what's going on and what's important to you. And, and how can we find a, a path that fits? So I've been doing that for uh, for just over a year. And um, in over actually, last week, or not last week, but um, in early September, I, um, I partnered up with uh, an old friend of mine and we launched um, a new business, which is definitely still in the career space, but it's, um, it's more of a hands-off approach to career management uh, and brand management as well. Um, so we're, we're creating tools that are accessible, that they're affordable, that um, it's all geared towards uh, towards women, but heck, men can come too. <laughs> uh, where women can come and access these career resources to help them kind of on a, a DIY basis. So just pieces to kind of get yourself set straight, help you write a resume, help you figure out what are your values? Um, how does that fit with your career? Help you understand how do you leverage social media in your career or in your business? And um, how do you just kind of all these steps to, to take you forward? I love that. And that's called uh, Define and Design Co., I believe, right? That it is. That it Perfect. Is. Okay. Yeah. We'll definitely reference all that in the show notes because you've been working so hard on that and I've been seeing how much of yourself you've been pouring yourself into it. And it's amazing. You have incredible stuff. And I mean, one of, one of the biggest things when I was in the corporate world for years, one of the biggest things that would always come up is how the hell do I write a resume? <laughs> because yeah. sometimes like we just, you know, we'll kind of get stuck in, in the same sort of template that we kind of, you know, as some teacher probably helped us walk through like in, in high school or mm -hmm. early university or college or whatever. And that just doesn't always necessarily apply long-term. So that can be a really, really helpful skill to have. Yeah, actually resume writing is, it's one of my favorite things to do, but I always, when people come to me for resume help and you know, they, they have the whole, oh, I don't know what I'm doing and why can't I make this sound nice? And I tell them, you know what? Not everybody is a good resume writer. The majority of people are not good resume writers because it's, it really is a skill to be able to, to sit down and draw out what are you good at and how does that relate to what you want to do and getting that out on paper in such a succinct way that, that really shows just how awesome you are. So I, I actually love writing that piece because you get talking to people and you really, you can really build someone up and help them um, to really appreciate and, and build up their confidence in what they've done to help them see how it applies going forward. Oh, it's such a beautiful way of looking at it. I really, I, I totally agree with that. And it, it's funny too, because I mean, what, 
I feel like some people will be like, how on earth does she enjoy writing resumes? And that's just one, one tiny little aspect of what you do because the, I mean, your Define and Design uh, Co is sort of your latest venture in addition to your more individualized coaching. A lot of it uh, is sort of around building a brand too. So let's talk about that a little bit and how that can have a really positive impact, whether someone is an entrepreneur or if they're in the corporate world and, and they, they plan on staying there. Sure. So when we think of a brand, um, a lot of people, when it comes to, to our professional life, regardless if you're an entrepreneur or an employee, a lot of people don't really think, well, I don't have a, bl- a brand. I'm just a person. And it's kind of like, well, you know what? In today's, in today's world, you are a brand. If you are out there and you are wanting to show yourself as someone who's valuable in your space, regardless of what you do, you can't just sit behind a desk or you can't just sit behind whatever it is where you spend your time and just plug away and doing, you have to be sharing what you're doing and what you know. So building up that brand really helps you to, um, to, to expand that reach to get people to know what you can do. And it's like, I'm not saying that you need to be, out there on social media or networking all the time because you definitely don't because if you did that then you know that in itself would be your job but um, it's just taking the time to to take advantage of those channels and um, that are out there for you to to be sharing that little bit of who you are whether or not it's that um, maybe you're using LinkedIn um, and maybe once a week you you share something, either you're posting an article or you're just sharing something that happened in your work week that shows that you're invested in what you're doing. Or um, people are using like Instagram to, to help build that brand of, of who they are. So even as an employee, you can build that brand of, you know, here's me at the office or here's me um, volunteering in my community or here I am reading this book that's going to be good for professional development versus if you're an entrepreneur, you're doing the same kind of thing, but you're, you're building it based on your credibility and in, in your business and what you're doing. And then of course you can take it off of social media and get out there and, and network and be talking to people. And whether you're going to specific events or whether, uh, whether you're just going out for one-on-one copies with people, it's just, taking the time to be connected with people and sharing who you are and what you know. And mm. that really defines the brand of who you are as long as you're being consistent in it and of course being authentic with, with who you really are because you don't want to paint this whole picture of someone else and then you finally meet someone and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you are not what I thought. <laughs> it's so funny because you and I were talking about that right before we, we jumped on because I was saying that I, I tend to keep uh, most of, of the conversation in terms of the editing totally natural unless there's some significant piece of of the podcast that needs to be edited out just you know like we we went down a road that we didn't plan on and, and decided not to keep in or you know whatever the reason is usually I leave everything in to keep it fairly natural because you know kind of word stumbles are pretty common in natural <laughs> natural conversation and that's part of who we are and I would feel really weird if I met someone who I'd been listening to their podcast for ages and having them talk into my ear and they never said, um, on a podcast. And then all of a sudden I met them in person and they said, um, regularly be like, well, what the hell's going on? Like, who are you? (laughs) Because, and that's just one example. It's just that like a podcast is so kind of intimate because we're talking into people's ears. 
So it's it, something like that is a really great example. I feel like of, of being really authentic and true to yourself and yes, building a brand. But I think sometimes there's sort of this stigma that building a brand means, you know, putting ourselves out there in a way that isn't necessarily natural and it can be completely natural. That's actually kind of the joy of social media and stuff today is that people are, are looking for that more. They're looking for the authenticity and that word gets thrown around a lot, but I do think that it is really accurate that we, we just want to know real humans. You know, we, we don't, we don't really want to know that person who is like put up on a pedestal in our own minds about the, the, the total picture perfection or something like that. <laughs> so it makes a lot of sense to come at it from just a, a much more natural perspective. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's totally true. You know, you're right. That, that word authenticity, it does get thrown around a ton, but it's absolutely true, right? You have to be comfortable with who you are and represent yourself that way. Right. So if you're, if you're struggling with how do I build a, a brand who really shows who I am, then you need to step back and you really need to go through some exercises to help you figure out, okay, who am I? What do I do? What do I want to do? What makes me unique in what I do? Because I mean, not to be like, oh, we're all special snowflakes and we're all unique, but we all have our own way of approaching life and approaching our careers that makes us unique. So, so, so from that perspective, and, and figuring out, you know, even if it's just sitting there and thinking, okay, what have my colleagues and maybe my bosses in the past, what, have, what do they typically come to me for help for? What have they told me that I do really well? And kind of picking up on those pieces. And you might learn something like, you know what, people always come to me um, when, when, they're, when they're under pressure, when there's deadlines looming, because they know that, that I can sit down with them and just help them calm down and map it out. So that's a, that's a really unique skill that you might have. So that would be like a great little piece that you might want to add into your brand, right? For sure. Going from that kind of approach, and, and that's how you get that authenticity, right? It's not just that, um, I mean, I, if, if anybody happens to know me, I make a ton of jokes, and I always, I always make a point of saying, you know, part of my brand is that I'm really goofy, and I make a lot of jokes, and on the one hand, that's true, but on the other hand, I don't build my brand on my goofiness. I just kind of infuse it in there, right? I mean, if I went out there and I said, my brand is goofy, then who's, who's going to take me seriously, right? But if I approach it with, um, with, with my passion and my knowledge of the space, and then I just infuse that little bit of my personality, then that's just that little bit that helps to, to, to make it more unique to me. But that goofiness aspect isn't my core Instead, I'd be looking at something that's more useful for people. Absolutely. And I mean, I feel like part of this conversation also has to be awareness in that we live in a time now where virtually every employer is going to do a Google search on you, a thorough one, before they hire you. So it, it also, I feel like, would be irresponsible not to point out that if you're putting stuff on the internet, you have to be aware of the fact that a future employer will likely be able to access it. So we do have to kind of, you know, have, have an awareness, like, yes, be authentic, but also cultivating that awareness that, okay, like, is the future employer going to be cool with this? Am I going to lose a job over this potentially? Like all of those types of things. Again, as from an entrepreneur standpoint, it's not necessarily as big of a deal depending on the situation, but when you're looking for someone else to hire you, that can be a much bigger problem. 
It absolutely can. And, and you are totally right. The majority of employers, they do Google you. Um, an interesting little tidbit is a lot of applicant tracking systems that are out there. They actually have features integrated into it that will scour the internet um, to look for social media accounts that are based on the email that you provided and by your mm. name so that you're just submitting an application to a job. No way. You're submitting a heck of a lot more because suddenly you've, you've sent through your application and now there's a very robust profile about you that includes all kinds of things about you from the internet. It's a little bit scary sometimes. <laughs> Social media is great, but <laughs> they, they, but they are, they're only looking at public information. So it's totally. not like, um, it's not like they're doing anything illegal. It really comes down to if you've put it out there, then what do you expect is going to happen? Right? Exactly. Exactly. And like you kind of reference there, you know, really it's that in itself is more focused on the employee, not so much on the entrepreneur, but look at it this way, depending on what your business is and what kind of services you provide, then you want people to make informed choices, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that they're not going to Google you? We are so curious. We're such a curious society and we have the, we have the tool to send us down the rabbit hole <laughs> to find everything we possibly can, right? If I ever decided, hey, I want to go work with Emily, do you think that I'm just going to look at your website? No. I'm going to go and I'm going to try and find everything about you so that I can confidently say, okay, you know what? I like Emily. I feel really good about Emily. She looks like someone that I can connect with, so I'm going to contact her. Or maybe I find something on some like old social media profile that you forgot to close down. And that might make me say, I don't think I want to work with Emily. For sure. Yeah. And it's, it's completely the legitimate, all of it. And I mean, it, when, when we talk about things like, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because the other thing that uh, really comes up for me a lot and I hear about a lot is millennials kind of getting flack <laughs> for changing careers more often, way more often than previous generations. So why, why do you think that is? And now there's sort of like a subcategory of that where a lot of millennials are also taking the step to become entrepreneurs. So we aren't just changing jobs uh, a huge amount, but we also might decide, screw it, I'm out. I'm just going to go do my own thing, which again is amazing. I think that it's really cool that we live in a time that we can do that. But why do you think some of the reasons are behind that? Well, first I just want to say... Oh, the poor millennials. Blamed <laughs> <laughs> for all these ridiculous things. It's so absurd. <laughs> but um, so, when, when we look at the history of look at the history of employment, let's just say since the fifties, how much has the economy changed? How much has the industries how much have they changed? How much have skill sets changed? Right? I mean, you know, we think of like our grandparents or, or whomever and or I'll, I'll take my grandfather for an example um they emigrated here in the 50s yeah they emigrated here in the 50s and he literally he walked off a boat and he had a job at a factory in the afternoon unreal that just does not happen anymore <laughs> no it doesn't right and he was able to stay stay in that job for a good number of years until he decided that he wanted more and he went back to school to be a draftsman. And then from there, he got hired into, um, into another, into a career as a draftsman. And he stayed with that company for years and years and years. Right. This isn't, that doesn't happen anymore. You know, it's like we, well, um, we finished school 
and let's just say, <laughs> whether you're finishing high school or you're finishing a post-secondary program, you finish school and now we're going out into the marketplace and it takes your average graduate six months to find a position. There's no walking out of that door and saying, here you go, I've got a job, right? Because the competition is so tough and, and what employers are looking for, how often do you actually see a job posting that says, we would love to hire a new grad <laughs> with the skills that you have and we're going to train you right on the spot. Like you don't see that anymore, right? And all these, all these opportunities just want people that can like, you know, hit the ground running and go, 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 go. So I, I feel that unfortunately a lot of millennials are a little bit doomed. <laughs> and um, uh, anyway, so the, the opportunity to get started is harder. Um, people ending up in, um, in opportunities that don't quite fit with what they're looking for for the long term or that they just don't know yet what it is that what they want for the long term and there are so many contract opportunities that are out there right now that you know how how can you expect to how can you expect to go to a company and be working there for the rest of your life when you're getting hired on a contract the voiced concerns about the disloyalty from from millennials, but also just from employees in general, it's completely mirrored by the employer now too, right? There's, you can't really say that there's much of a loyalty on either side. And it's a, it's a shared issue that's, that's out there. And I, I have no idea how to solve that. <laughs> I wish I knew how to solve that. Um, well, and I think the other thing is too, is that, I mean, essentially, and I, I was among this, this group um, that, we were essentially asked to choose a career path at 17 yeah. and it just doesn't work well because in previous generations, there were different types of jobs that, yeah, you just kind of, you would, you would pick a, a job and you would just stick with it because there was also things like pensions and stuff like that. None of that is nearly as common as it used to be. It's actually incredibly rare. Even getting benefits sometimes is very rare and that sort of leaves a lot more options, which can actually not be necessarily a bad thing. I, I think that there's a huge amount of, of positive things that we can draw for that and learn in different areas. And that can actually really help us narrow down what our sort of dream job might end up being. But it's like, I have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and psychology. And I mean, I use the psychology part of it, but I'm not exactly working in that field. <laughs> and I, I landed a corporate job that uh, right out of school that was not really anything to do with what I wanted to do. But then I stayed there for 11 years, which is very unusual uh, for our generation, actually. Um, but it's, it's sort of just an example of I wasn't finding anything else in, in my field. And I think that that's really common for, for a lot of uh, kids coming out of school these days. Yeah, I definitely think it is. You know, when you're, when you're forced to make those decisions at a young age and you haven't been properly guided into it, what do we expect is going to happen, right? Like when I think back to my experiences in high school and my, uh, you know, when I was 16 or 17, I really, really wanted to work in the music industry. I want to do PR in the music industry. And um, I remember sitting down with the guidance counselor, as you're supposed to do when you get into grade 12 to talk about uh, post-secondary planning and telling him this is what I want to do 
And in all sincerity, he should have guided me to the PR program over at Humber. But instead, he, he pushed me to be going to university. And don't get, don't get me wrong, I totally do not regret that I went to university because that, is, that has opened a lot of doorways for me and, and I think has been instrumental in getting to me to where I am now. But if he had truly listened to what I wanted at the time, he should have put, he should have said here, look at this program here that this college has to offer. It's going to get you exactly what you need. Mm-hmm. And instead from his focus, the focus for him in a school setting was, well, we need to boost our, we need to boost some numbers here and get more of our graduates into university settings because I don't know what the heck it does, but it makes our school as a better standing or something like that. Right. <laughs> so funny how that works. <laughs> right? so, so it's like you need to have, from that young age, like if you're a parent and you have, um, you have young teenagers, start talking to them about what are they interested in and what kinds of classes really, really light them up and where do they find the most excitement in what they do and talking to them about how those interests and those skills that that you're developing in high school, they can completely relate into a career choice and a career path going forward. But if that's not being nurtured and suddenly that student is 17 years old and they're sitting in front of a forum saying, okay, so now I have to think about what I want to do for the rest of my life. And they've had zero guidance to this point. Really think that they're going to make the right decisions unless they're an incredibly self-aware student, which certainly does exist. um, The chances of them making that right choice is pretty, pretty slim, right? Like how many students, they go to school, they drop out halfway through, they start a new program, And then they do that and then graduation comes up and then they say, oh, heck, I don't think I want to do this. So then they enroll in another program and suddenly they have like, they've been in post-secondary for five to seven years. And when they come out, they're still not confident in what they want and what they can do. Exactly. I mean, really, what can we do to sort of get more in alignment with our values and priorities to figure out what the best job is for us? What's, what's our our dream job. I know you've, you've mentioned a few things along the way, but uh, I'd love to hear more from you on that. Um, in, in my opinion and from my experiences, really what it comes down to is taking some time to sit back and evaluate what, what, what is important to you in your life. What are you actually interested in? Why are you interested in these things? Um, How do the values that they have, that you have, how can they connect to a career that's going to make you happy? So for example, if I look at, um, at my career path, back in my 20s, I was, you know, I was floating around bumping from job to job, not really not really engaged and satisfied with what I was doing. And I didn't really know why. Um, and I, I went in my later twenties, I remember I just, I was like, Oh, you know, I, I hate this job and I'm just, I'm going to quit and I'm going to go move to Toronto and I'm just going to find a great job there and everything's going to be better. And, and I did that. And I, you know, ran off to Toronto and I got a job working for a wonderful company, but it was such a bad fit for me. <laughs> I didn't even last there a year. And, and again, like I made another quick rash decision. That's it. I'm quitting. I'm done. And I moved back up to King Carden with my family. I was like, save me, save me from this. <laughs> <laughs> but 
in making that last rash decision, I was like, okay, well, like what is happening here? Why are things not fitting for me? What is wrong with what's happening? And I actually reached out to a career counselor and that's what actually started to help me get myself set straight. That, you know, I, I went through exercises to understand uh, what did I, what do I want out of life? Not just what do I want out of a career? What do I want out of life? What does that future look like for me? What am I interested in? What kinds of, what kinds of natural abilities do I have that could play out in a career space? Um, how do I enjoy interacting with people? How do I enjoy using particular skills and, and all of those aspects? And that's what led me to go back to school to get my career development practitioner's certification. And, and it was just, it was just that whole process of, of understanding that I was doing something that wasn't sitting right with me. Um, and being able to sit back and really look at the bigger picture to understand how these things can actually fit together to make sure that the next choice that I made was going to be the right choice. Mm, that's a beautiful segue because I've, I've got some questions on what you said. So one thing that I want to point out there that Melissa said is to really pinpoint how you enjoy interacting with people. Because I think that that's really crucial. I, I've, I've talked a little bit about this on the podcast before about sort of figuring out if, if you're an introvert versus an, outro, an extrovert and what, what sort of your natural state is. And I used to think of myself as an extrovert until I realized, oh, hell no, I'm actually an introvert and I've just been trying to force myself into being an extrovert all this time. And I think that that's really crucial to help you figure out uh, job, career, or like entrepreneur life, wh whichever, how you are going to build life satisfaction around that. Because if you're a total introvert and would prefer to be a hermit, there is nothing wrong with that. I'm right, I'm right there with you in that camp. And, you know, do you necessarily want to be in uh, like a busy, um, sort of overstimulating job with nonstop people coming in and out of your office all day? Probably not. You'd be exhausted all the time. Whereas other people, maybe somebody who's more extroverted, really feeds off that energy and it lights them up and they love it. So I think that that's really crucial to make note of, of something like that and really take that to heart when you're figuring out what is going to be the best path for you or is what I am doing currently a great fit or is there maybe something better fitting out there for me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, um, I actually have a lot, of, uh, a lot of clients go through an exercise where I call it, you know, what's your job criteria? <laughs> And it, it really has them sit down and, and, and I take them through, like I take them kind of through a questionnaire and we look at all these teeny tiny little pieces that people don't really consider. And, and it's things like really like introvert, extrovert stuff. How do you want, you know, what size of company do you want to be working for? What kind of culture do you want that organization to be? Um, even things like, what do you want your commute to be? What do you want? Um, how much travel do you want in your job? All these like teeny little things that we don't really think about when we're out there making those career plans that once you get in that job, that all of a sudden you'd be like, oh gosh, this hour commute's killing me. It's taking time away from, you know, whether it's taking time away from your family or it's taking time away from, um, you know, maybe you're heavy into sports and now you can't join that sports league or something that just the, 
every little thing that's in there, you should be considering when you're making a career choice. I mean, we spend more time planning a vacation than we actually spend planning our careers, right? <laughs> that is such a great point. Oh my God, it's too funny. And I mean, to that regard, what, what, are your, what are some of your thoughts on work-life balance? Because that's, that is sort of one of the biggest things, especially now, I feel like that more people are at least trying to incorporate more of it into their lives, sometimes unsuccessfully, but sometimes uh, they're, they're able to. And what are some of the ways we can go about kind of trying to figure that out? Sure. So work-life balance, it can be, it honestly can be very hard to achieve. The first thing that you have to do is determine what your ideal work-life balance is, right? Because everybody has their own version of it. Everybody has different needs. Therefore, it's going to be different for everybody. So, you know, figuring out how much time do you want to be dedicating um, to work and what does that entail? How much time do you want to be dedicating to family, to community, to your social life, to, um, to other areas of your life, to, to self-care, to sleep, right? And, you know, when you map it out, you realize there's only 24 hours in a day. How on earth can I actually do all of this? So that's where that, that balance comes in. And, and I don't actually think that we can ever achieve true balance between everything. I like to actually look at it from a perspective of harmony um, because, you know, how can we make it work together as opposed to kind of a, against each other? But how do we make these different areas of our life flow together as they can and being able to forgive ourselves when, you know, if maybe you have a really heavy week at work and you're not able to tend to different areas of your life and acknowledging, okay, this week I didn't get to spend time with, um, with my best friend. And I know that she really, you know, I know that we had already talked about doing something. So I need to make sure that next week that I can spend time with her and, or, or, or whatever it is that you've been ignoring for that week, giving yourself the, um, the forgiveness on it, but acknowledging that you have the ability to make efforts next week to make it that little bit better. And as you're going along in life and you realize that there's way too much happening on that work side and not enough happening on the life side, then looking at what are you doing at work? What is it that, that is eating so much of your time? Is it the actual work that you're doing? Is it your commute? Is it that you come home from work and you're doing more work? Is it that you know, your boss emails you all the time or, or whatever it is and saying, okay, how do I figure out how I can just scale this back just a little bit so that I can then prioritize other areas of my life? Yeah, and, and I think this is something that a lot of people really struggle with. And I mean, the, the thing is, is that, I'm glad that you actually mentioned sort of how you view balance because I, I sort of have this ongoing conversation about balance with several people in my life. And I, I do think that a lot of it has to do with sort of harmony and, and integration mm -hmm. and that the concept of balance might not be exactly what we think it is in that, you know, what we are every single day might not be balanced, but that we can work towards balance a little bit more bigger picture overall. So kind of like the example that you gave, like one week, if you're really focused on work, but you're not getting to spend much time with your family, or you maybe aren't fitting in as many workouts because you are working really long hours or something like that, then the following week, you know, that big project or whatever is maybe done, or you can tuck it away a little bit more. And then you can sort of build up that other side of things like the social time, family time, uh, making sure you're getting your workouts in like you usually try to that can all sort of even out and balance out 
So it's just looking at balance, I feel like from a different angle and not expecting every single day to be balanced because that's when I think we can start to really get into a negative forward feed cycle of getting really down on ourselves because you're like, oh fuck, like I couldn't achieve balance again today. <laughs> and that I just don't think is is very possible. It, it's quite difficult to have like a perfectly balanced day every day. That's just not real life. No, I, uh, I, I agree with that. It's, it's definitely that, that bigger picture of what is work-life balance. It's not the day-to-day because -day. if we just focus on the day-to-day, -day, I think it's exactly like what you said there. You're going to end up with that negative view because from a day-to-day -day basis, you're probably not going to have that perfect balance that you want. It's got to be something bigger. Exactly. Yeah. There has to be sort of a, a bigger, bigger purpose and, and bigger picture uh, view there for sure. Kind of, a, kind of taking the bird's eye view of your own life in some ways. Mm -hmm. And are there signs that I'm always curious about this because I, I know what, and I can talk a little bit about my experience, but do you talk to a lot of people who are kind of desperate <laughs> and miserable to get out of their jobs or, and, and what's sort of the difference between trying to help those people and trying to help people who are, you know, they're, they're like reasonably satisfied at their job, but they feel like there might be something more out there, or maybe they think that they might want to change career fields. And, and that's why they're coming to you to sort of map that out, but they haven't hit the point of miserable. What's kind of the, the difference between those two groups when they come to you? Um, well, those that are kind of on more of the, the miserable end, <laughs> um, which I was totally that person <laughs> before I quit my job. <laughs> typically that stress is, is coming out, is manifesting in different areas of their life, mm. uh, which is, which is very sad and unfortunate that it does. And generally they're at a spot where, where they have tunnel vision and they just know that they need to get out and they want it quick, really, really quick. They want fast answers. They actually want me to tell them what to do as opposed to me guiding them so that they can learn for themselves what they, what they want to do. And it's um, not all the time, but typically bad decisions get made when mm. in that point because all that you know is that you need out and you don't care how you get out you just need out and it's you're not taking the time to to make that self-aware and educated decision whereas that person who's kind of they're they're approaching the the notion of okay you know what this isn't really going where i thought it would be i think i want to do something else that person is typically more patient in figuring out what they want to do to make the right decision for the next choice and they're more open to uh, more open to the exploration a lot more open to um, to really getting out there and and doing their research and and being self-reflective and all of those pieces so that so that they really can um, make that better choice oh, i think that's so interesting and it's so true because that that is definitely exactly where I was for several years and I had a great job. It was just, I, I was genuinely miserable there. I just, I knew that I, that that wasn't my long-term goal and that that wasn't where I needed to be long-term, that there was more that I needed to be doing elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I totally was, I was definitely miserable. And there were, 
there were a couple times where I interviewed for other jobs that were not a great fit for me. And that was basically devastated when I didn't get them because I just saw that as my only way out. And even though I knew logically, and I could actually recognize at that time that, yeah, that job probably wasn't the right fit. I was still just in a deep hole of depression, basically, because I just saw that as like my little window of light. And then when I didn't get the job, I'd be like, oh, I'm still here. <laughs> so it, it's tough. I can totally see how you make better decisions usually when you're, you're in a place that will allow a little bit more patience to sort of figure out the journey, especially if you're looking for something that's, that's long term. Like if you don't want, you know, just sort of the next short term gig and you want to really establish yourself in a career, that's going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. Exactly. Exactly. Are there a lot of people that you are talking to that are making the jump into entrepreneurship as opposed to finding another job? Um, I'm going to say that about, I'm going to say that about a third of my clients um, have ended up going down an entrepreneurial path or at least have gotten to themselves to a point where they know that that's where they want to go. And, you know, they're just kind of taking it from, you know, I got them to the point where they needed and then they're going to continue on their own and their goal is entrepreneurship. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it is pretty cool. And I mean, you know, I, I've kind of questioned this um, myself. I'm like, you know, is this a big trend? I'm like, or is it just the people that I attract? <laughs> so I, I'm kind of not sure. Cause I've, I've had this conversation with other, um, with other practitioners in my space. And, you know, I've had some that say, well, I don't have anybody that's, um, that's looking to become an entrepreneur. <laughs> Oh, see, I find that so fascinating. And then maybe it's because since you are sort of more of, of like you are an entrepreneur yourself, whereas some other uh, career counselors might maybe be in a more of a job situation, like they're working for kind of a larger enterprise or school or something like that, then maybe that is partly why you, you tend to attract more entrepreneurs because people see what you're doing for yourself mm -hmm. and building up your own business. And that sort of will pique their interest or, or curiosity. And, uh, that just is sort of one more way that you're the perfect fit for them. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. It's really interesting. Yeah. It, it is pretty fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot about people, you know, kind of like jumping ship on their jobs to dive into entrepreneurship. And I, I think it's amazing, but I, I think that there do have to be some, some built in safety nets <laughs> a little bit, because that's usually, uh, one of, there's actually been studies that, people who take more time to build up their business while they're still working full-time mm -hmm. tend to do much better than people who just completely quit their full-time job without having built the business and then build the business. And then frankly, I, I don't have like the stats to back this up, but I would suspect that even just the pressure of paying your bills and not having money coming in as quickly as you potentially wanted or need it could be enough to, uh, to cause so much stress that it would be a big problem. Yeah, I can, uh, I can see that. And then, and then you kind of throw in there the, the support system that, that we need in so many different areas of our life, but you know, in our careers, we need a support system as well. And whether it's, you know, if you're, if you're in a place of employment, you have, you have colleagues around you who are essentially that support system. If you're jumping ship and you're setting up your own business, you, you literally have just lost your support system and, you know, unless you already have a network of other entrepreneurs that are there for you, 
then it's it's kind of like isolation at its best, right? I mean, we kind of made a joke at the at the beginning of our of our of your podcast here that um, you know we're kind of local to each other, which is nice. You know, we're local entrepreneurial friends. But how many people have I been connecting with online that are you know, now I you know I consider them my my entrepreneurial network, and so few of them are actually are actually local that it's, you know, my support system is essentially online. <laughs> yes. I've been finding that too. And it's actually been tough because I, I purposely, I don't have a huge circle of friends. I tend to go for like a really small group of like tighter knit friends. So locally I have a really small handful of, of close friends, but then I've got women all over the world who I'm actually super close with, but they're not the kind of people that I can just call up and, you know, go out for a bite to eat on a Friday night, like, <laughs> unless it's planned basically weeks or months in advance, exactly. <laughs> with plane tickets involved, typically. <laughs> it was kind of funny, just last week, I actually, um, I went for coffee with, um, with this guy, Thomas, he's a career coach as well, and he's based out of Guelph, and he had reached out to me, um, we had connected, I don't even know how long ago on LinkedIn, and, and then he had reached out to me, and he's saying, you know, I, I really like the messages that you share on LinkedIn. I feel that, you know, we have a very, uh, very similar view on, um, on career development. And would you be open just to having a, a coffee and chatting? And he's like, I don't have a lot of people like in my, in my network from that support aspect. And I would love to have the opportunity to, to connect with you and, you know, do something like that. And I was like, that's terrific. Yeah. I I make a joke all the time that, that I, I want faux workers. I'm like, I don't have coworkers. I just want faux workers. And I just (laughs) want all these people around me that I can, that I know that I can, you know, just call up or, or meet up for a cup of coffee and say, Oh, you know, this is what's going on right now. and, And talk it out with somebody. And if you're, if you're jumping ship, you don't have that group out there. It is hard. It's tough. Yeah, it's definitely tough for sure. And actually, before we wrap up, I really want to ask you about LinkedIn. I, I was going to ask you about uh, about that earlier because you mentioned it, and then we we got onto a different topic. So talk to me about LinkedIn because I always thought that LinkedIn was um, a little bit bullshit. <laughs> I was like, yeah, whatever. It's just there. Like it's fine. And the other big reason this this one is like much more personal to me. But the other big reason why I never really went on LinkedIn several fold. One, I didn't want to make it uh, super well known to my bosses who were also on LinkedIn that I was looking for another job. So that was part of it. And two, I also wasn't terribly comfortable with the privacy aspect because I didn't really necessarily want my entire work history posted all over the internet. Um, This was years ago. This is long before like I post a lot more of myself on the internet now than I ever did then. But it I think that it can actually be an incredibly useful tool now that I'm learning more about it. And surprisingly, it's a really useful tool for anyone building an online business, as well as anyone searching for a new job, or if you're searching to hire someone as well. So there's a few different prongs here that can be really helpful for an entrepreneur or for just looking for a new career or a new job. So if you're a great uh, resource and expert on LinkedIn, so I would love for you to talk us through some of the benefits, how to maximize it from a few different angles. I, I would love to get your thoughts on that. 
Sure. So first off, I love LinkedIn. <laughs> um, you've booked a ton of new clients just from LinkedIn as well. I mean, and, and don't be confused because I mean, yes, Melissa is a career coach. So yes, I realize that kind of goes hand in hand with LinkedIn, but we've had uh, other people in our, uh, in our mastermind who have booked clients from LinkedIn as well that are not career coaches. It's like health and fitness and wellness industry related things. And they booked clients through LinkedIn as well. Yeah, I, um, I think that LinkedIn is, it's a great space. It's a, it's a professional space. So you want to keep in mind that when people are going there, they're going there with the intent of, um, of learning something about, about their profession, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's that, you know, they're, they want to get some industry updates. They want to see what's trending. They want to see what their competitors are doing. They want to see, um, it's a great spot to go and, and get articles that people are, are sharing through curated content. Um, all of that aspect, right? It's earlier on when we were talking about personal brand, LinkedIn is a great spot for you to demonstrate your, um, your professional capabilities. That is like, we can say it's like the dedicated spot for that, right? I'm not going to LinkedIn and treating it the same way that I treat my Instagram, right? Like sure on my Instagram, you know, yes, I'm still talking about um, careers. I'm giving tips. I'm doing this, but I'm also, you know, posting a picture of me and my kid and saying, you know, this is what Sunday morning looks like and are, you know, documenting the growth of the tree in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's very important. <laughs> it is. Trust me. <laughs> but, you know, instead on LinkedIn, I'm taking the time to, um, to, to demonstrate who I am in my space. I'm building up my credibility. I'm essentially, I'm building up the whole no like trust aspect in LinkedIn. And you know, where that makes sense for me as a career coach is because, you know, people who, when they're looking for work, they're going to go to LinkedIn, they're going to update their profiles, they're going to do all of these things. So if I happen to be connected with them, whether it's a first degree or a second or a third degree, um, and they're going to see what I'm posting out there, and they're going to start to think, oh, hey, she knows what she's talking about. And then that's when they're reaching out and, and they're sending messages and asking if we can talk. Well, what I didn't actually realize until I learned this from you and a couple other uh, of the women in our mastermind is that in some ways, LinkedIn actually behaves a little bit more like Facebook than, than people realize. There's things like groups and then you can, you know, randomly throw up a link and it pops up in, in like a little news feed. It's, I honestly had no clue that, that LinkedIn was capable of that. I literally just thought of it as, essentially a bunch of people's resumes <laughs> like posted and that was basically it. And it's actually so much more than that. It is, it's much more complex and, but in, in a positive way, like there's, there's a lot of versatility built into it that I had no idea LinkedIn was capable of. Yeah. You can do a ton of things. They actually just, um, they very recently, um, I can say upgraded their groups. And I watched a little clip where they said about some of the upgrades and updates that they made. And it sounds, sounds really promising. Um, their group features are not as robust as Facebook. So you can't really expect the same kind of thing out of it. But that being said, there's so many great groups on LinkedIn that are niche to profession. 
right? So it's like, you know, I belong to groups that are uh, for career counselors. I belong to groups that are uh, in recruitment and HR, or maybe I belong to some that could be like alumni from my university or something like that, where you can just be connected and be sharing stuff. And you have to, you have to go into the group to see what's happening there. Like that group content isn't coming up on your feed the way that it does on Facebook. So there's definitely that big difference in groups, but um, regardless, it's, it, it's a really cool tool. Uh, what I recommend in terms of using it is don't just use it on a, okay, well now I'm looking for a job. So now I have to use LinkedIn. Don't treat it that way. If you want to be using LinkedIn and benefit from it, be active on it regularly. Like you don't have to do it every day. Um, but just once a week, you just, you just check in on it and see what's going. You just constantly make sure that your profile is updated, right? Because like you kind of said there, you don't want your boss to know you're looking for a new job. Um, you do have the option on your profile that when you update it, that it doesn't, you know, make the announcement of Emily just added a new job, <laughs> right? Like you don't, that does, there's an option to say, you know, don't publicize my updates. Okay. If you're in the regular habit of keeping your profile updated, then it's not a red flag to, to an employer or to somebody else that perhaps you're looking. That's a great point too, actually. That's so true. Right. Like if you're always, you know, adding, you know, if you just finished a great project and you want to add that project in, you go, you add it in, right. You're just constantly keeping yourself, um, you're just keeping yourself up to date with, with, with what you're doing. And you can also even go, even if you're not out there and you're looking, even if, sorry, even if you're not looking for a new position and you're keeping um, your profile updated with what you're doing in your current job, that's actually a little bit of a boost to your current employer because um, you're helping to demonstrate the good things that that employer is doing. That's a great point as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just so fascinating to me because I had never given LinkedIn a second thought. And then when you kind of introduced it to me and I still haven't done uh, nearly as much with it as I would like to, it's on my to-do list, but I am now on LinkedIn, <laughs> which I, I call a win at, at this point. And I'm working on, on building it up and, and expanding things a little bit there because I think that it's a really, really great resource and I just had no idea what it could offer. Um, so that's, I think that's, that's amazing. You've got some really cool information on that. But Melissa, tell us where, where everyone can find you because I want everybody to be able to jump over and uh, see everything from all of your LinkedIn updates to the growth of your, your tree in your backyard. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, on LinkedIn, you can find me um, under Melissa McFarlane and I'm uh, M-A-C, not M-C. Uh, so you can find me there, Melissa McFarlane. Uh, you'll see my Melissa Mac career coaching. So that's how you'll know that it's me. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, which is at Melissa McFarlane. No, what did I make it? Oh, uh, Melissa Mack career coaching. There we go. Um, alternatively, you can also follow me at defineanddesign.co on Instagram. That is my, uh, my secondary business that I set up with my fine partner, Julia. And, um, uh, where else? Oh, and of course, Facebook, we're on Facebook. Uh, my Melissa Mack isn't very active on Facebook. My, uh, my life lessons in social media is that Melissa Mack is not, uh, as popular on Facebook as it is on LinkedIn, but um, Define and Design is definitely on Facebook and we have a, a wonderful community for women there uh, where we talk about career management and brand management. And sometimes we talk about wine and donuts and just like <laughs> <laughs> 
I love it. Well, I will make sure to link all of that up in the show notes. And I just have one final question for you. If you could offer people one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves, what would it be? My best piece of advice would be to sit back and really evaluate what you value in life and look at how is that fitting in your life right now? Where is it lining up and where um, is it disconnecting? And really asking yourself, um, what is the right spot for you? And how can you make what's important to you connect with what's actually happening in your life? I love that. Just coming into full alignment sort of in, in all areas, career and otherwise, I think that's so important. Awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much, Melissa. I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your wide range of expertise. And I will definitely make sure to reference everything uh, so that people can jump over and, and find you and connect with you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me, Emily. Thanks, girl. Thanks so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. All show notes and references can be found over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And can you do me one huge favor before you go though? If you can take a, take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on social media, I would absolutely love to see who's listening and get to connect with you and thank you. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would go a long way and make such a huge difference. It really helps to get the word out there, get more amazing guests on the show and helps to get all of this information out to the world. Looking forward to growing with you.